You are listening to the She Speaks podcast. The She Speaks podcast is here to normalize our experiences in life and business by sharing our stories of rising from the proverbial ashes of our real life trials and tribulations. When we share our experiences, we give others permission to keep putting one foot in front of the other, remember to breathe, and to never, ever leave the power of our promising futures on the table. Tune in weekly for fresh new content that will inspire you to share your story too. Hello, my name is Amanda DaCosta. Thank you for being here today and listening to my story. When I was about 16 years old, I went to my father's first birthday party. Now, I know that doesn't make any sense, does it? How could I be going to my father's first birthday party when I was 16? Let me explain. You see, when you go to Alcoholics Anonymous and you celebrate your sobriety, they celebrate it as a birthday party. So when I was 16, my father was celebrating his first year sober. When I was growing up, my father kept a bottle of five-star whiskey on the kitchen counter. And eventually the bottle disappeared, but it was only because he began hiding the alcohol. Because I guess he felt that if we couldn't see it, we wouldn't know that he was drinking. This is commonly done by alcoholics and addicts. They feel that if they're hiding the substance that nobody knows they're actually doing it. And of course, I always knew that my father was drunk because I could see it, I could hear it, I could even smell it. I hated the smell of that whiskey. But when I was 16 years old, That was the year that my father decided he was going to stop drinking. And I went to that 16th birthday party, or sorry, that first year birthday party when I was 16, and he was celebrating his first year of being sober. And at that celebration, my father gave me a poem that is often read at Alcoholic Anonymous meetings. And the poem is written by a gentleman named Dale Winbrow. And it's called The Guy in the Glass. I want to read it to you now. When you get what you want in your struggle for self and the world makes you king for a day, then go to the mirror and look at yourself and see what that guy has to say. For it isn't your father or mother or wife whom upon you judgment must pass. The feller whose verdict counts most in your life is the guy staring back from the glass. He's the fella to please, never mind all the rest, for he's with you clear up to the end, and you've passed your most dangerous, difficult test if the guy in the glass is your friend. You may be like Jack Horner and chisel a plum and think you're a wonderful guy, but the man in the glass says you're only a bum if you can't look him straight in the eye. You can fool the whole world down the pathway of years and get pats on the back as you pass, but your final reward will be heartache and tears if you've cheated the man in the glass. My father gave me that poem that night and I kept it for many, many years. Many years after I stopped talking to my father. 
You see, when I was about 22 years old, I decided that I wanted to remove him from my life. I'm 50 years old now, and now we call it removing a toxic relationship from your life. And that's exactly what it was. At the time, it was the decision I needed to make because I had been so neglected by my father and so undervalued that I decided I just didn't want that in my life anymore. And how did I finally come to that decision? Well, I was going to university and I'd always dreamed of going to university and studying psychology and helping people. Often happens when you have your own trials in your life, you all often want to reach out and help others. And my father had always agreed that he would help me pay for university. At this point in my life, my parents had already separated and my mom asked the courts to have my father agree to help because she knew she wouldn't be able to afford it all on her own. And she wanted me to be able to go to university because it was what I wanted. But when I was halfway through my studies, my father informed me that he couldn't afford to help me anymore. And I remember feeling quite crushed by this, but I accepted it until he called me about two weeks later and asked my brother and I if we could keep his car for him because he was going on holiday to Hawaii. And as much as I don't begrudge him going on vacation, it crushed me because I recognized that he wanted to spend money elsewhere, but not on me again in my life. It reminded me of a time when I was a kid and I needed braces and my father told me to get a pair of pliers and squeeze my teeth together. It reminded me that I couldn't take piano lessons because my father didn't want to pay for them. It reminded me of so many times in my life where I wanted to do something and I couldn't because either my father was drunk or he didn't want to spend the money on me. And at that point, I decided I want to move on with my life and I can't if he's pulling me backwards, reminding me of all these things that were going on in my past that I didn't want to be a part of my life anymore. And so at about 22 years of age, I stopped talking to my father and didn't speak to him for many, many years. It wasn't until I was in my 40s and my mom passed away in 2014. She had stomach cancer. It wasn't until then that I started speaking to my dad again. What happened was when he passed away, when she passed away, the lawyer suggested that we send my father a letter and advise him. And so we did. And that, of course, brought him back into my life. And it still took me six months to decide to actually see him. I was no longer angry with him. I no longer held any kind of grudge against him, but the grudge I had originally had against him was now holding on to me. You see, I didn't look at the whole situation with my father because I had just decided I'm done with it. It's in the past. I want to forget about it. What I didn't recognize is how much it was still so much in my life. It was so much still present in me. And seeing him again meant that I had to face all of that. It meant I was the person in the glass. I was that person in that poem 
I needed to look at myself and realize that I had something that I needed to look at about myself. And I needed to decide, do I need to change this decision? I made this decision many, many years ago. And at the time, yeah, it was the absolute right decision. But now, I don't think it's the right decision anymore. I think I need to to reconsider. I think I need to recognize that my father's changed. And that it's okay to have him in my life again. And so I was that person in the glass. And I needed to look there and see what I had done and decide it's time to do something different. And I remember growing up, my mom would always say to me, Amanda, are you sure you don't want to talk to your father? And my answer always was, no, not really. I don't really have anything to say to him. And then when she passed away, it was almost as if she was asking me one last time from the grave, are you sure you don't want to talk to your father? And this time my answer was, yes, I do. I do want to talk to him. I have so many questions and there are so many things I want to tell him too. I tell this story because I hope that there are things that you can take away from it for your own life. One of the things I find that is so important is to be able to look at yourself without judgment. To be able to look at some of the things that you've done in your life or have not done and see it as information. Look at all of the the decisions that you've made or, or actions that you've taken or actions that you haven't taken that you wish you had taken. And instead of judging yourself for them, to just look at it and think, well, now that I've had some time, what could I have done differently? Or what do I know now that's different about this situation? So in my case, I had to look and recognize that my father had changed. If he was still drinking, I don't know that it would be easy for me to have him back in my life. But now that he's changed, he's a completely different person. I didn't know my father growing up because he was just drunk all the time. And there were very few moments I can even remember any kind of happiness or any kind of real interaction with him. But now he's very different. And I am very different. Of course, I've grown up. And I'm not as guarded as I was when I was growing up. So I also had to look at myself and forgive myself for cutting myself off from people. Because you see, alcoholism is often said to be a family disease. But I argue that it's also a community disease. People never talked about the fact that my father had a drinking problem. And they would often just say, oh, well, you know, he drinks a little, but it's not that big a deal. Unless you live with somebody who has an addiction, you have no idea what it's actually like. And people often don't want to talk about things that make them uncomfortable. And so they don't want to acknowledge how difficult it can be, especially when you're a child and you're basically ignored. I was very fortunate that my mother was very strong, very compassionate, and she explained to us that our father had a drinking problem and that it had nothing to do with us. It wasn't our fault and there was nothing we could do about it. He needed to deal with that. And intellectually, I knew that, but I still grew up feeling very neglected, not seen by him at all. And it made it easy 
for me to then not see him. It made it easy for me to cut him out of my life and just pretend he didn't even exist because he had done that to me when I was little. And that was something I had to look at and be honest with myself about and recognize that without judging myself for it, without making myself feel badly for it, but to realize I had done that and I needed to stop doing it because it no longer was serving me in my life. So the forgiveness of self and being able to look at yourself honestly is so important. And when you're able to look at yourself without judgment, then it makes it easier for you to forgive yourself because you learn lessons from your own life. Regret can be a wonderful thing if you use it to your advantage because regret allows you to look at something and say, you know, I really wish I had done something different, which means you've already learned a lesson there. You've already seen that maybe you could have done a different thing. You could have made a different choice. You could have said something different. You could have acted in a different way. So regret gives you the opportunity to do things differently, to think about them differently, to see them differently, to be different. I grew up very guarded with my emotions because everybody thought that as a child, I should want my parents to be together and I didn't want them to be together. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that from a kid. Everybody wants to hear that you just want your family back together. It's not a popular answer when you're 11 years old saying, no, I don't want them back in the house. That's okay. <laughs> people, people want families together. They think it's such a great thing. And so I was very guarded, cut myself off from telling people about how I was really feeling. And that eventually affected me, right? So instead of really having control of the situation, the situation was controlling me. The situation was absolutely controlling me. I became very guarded and cut off from people because I didn't want them to judge how I was feeling. Just didn't think it was worth it. And it becomes so much a part of your life that you don't recognize it. When I first started to tell this story, and I wrote a blog on the Great Canadian Women blog, so many people that read that told me they had no idea that I had grown up like this and that they were shocked because they had always seen this strong, confident woman. And yeah, there's a strong, confident woman here, but there's also this kid that says, you don't get to know how I'm feeling because I don't trust you're going to judge me. So I'm just not going to tell you. Problem is, that made me look aloof. And people thought, Amanda's the one who never needs anybody. So you got to ask yourself, do you do that too in your own life? Are you the strong one? Are you the one that never needs help? Nobody ever comes looking to see if you're okay because they always think you are okay. Does it mean you don't get to be a part of the fun because everybody thinks of you as the serious one? not the one who is going to, you know, cut loose and, and go out and party, but they think of you as being the strong, silent type. I think that applies to women too, doesn't it? Not just guys. And so that's what happens. You get kind of cut out of things, but you realize that it's because you're pulling yourself out of situations. You're not allowing yourself to be available to people in a way that's accessible. You know, are you the person that can walk into a room and nobody even notices because you're good at being invisible? That's another fallout of being in a family where you were neglected. Even though I was seen by my mom and celebrated by my mom, I knew how to walk around the house and be undetected. 
And I realized that as an adult, I could do that. I could walk into a room and not be noticed by anybody. So those are the three key things I hope you can take away from this, is that forgiveness of yourself really does start with being able to look at yourself. Being able to look at yourself and the things that you've done or not done without judging them. Take it all in as information and ask yourself what you can do with that information that will benefit you. So that then you can take that second step of being able to forgive yourself for anything that you may or may not have done in your life. And realize how all of those things that have happened in your life that you think you're controlling can actually be controlling you. Is there a decision in your past that's still controlling your life? Do you carry yourself in a way that is controlling your life? Boundaries are a very wonderful thing. It's so important to have really great boundaries, really strong boundaries. But those boundaries can become brick walls. Those boundaries can lock you in away from other people. Those boundaries can become so impenetrable that nobody even knows you're in there. Hence the invisibility and nobody coming looking for you because they think you're okay. It can become a really lonely place. So that person in the glass, remember the poem says, they're with you to the end. And that's the one piece of this that's so important is you've always got to have your own back. You've got to be able to be there for yourself. Be the one who cares for yourself no matter what. But be honest with yourself too. Because if you're not completely honest with yourself about your own life, then you can never be completely happy and settled and relaxed with your own self. Because as much as I used to say, yeah, I don't talk to my father anymore, you know, it's no big deal. It was no big deal because I didn't allow myself to actually think about it. It was a big deal. It's a huge deal to cut somebody like that out of your life for over 20 years. But it was easy just to say, eh, it's no big deal. Because then I didn't have to feel it. I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to look at the situation. Once I was able to do that and allow all those icky feelings to come up, all that confusion, resentment, sadness, that neglectful feeling, once I was allowed, allowed myself to have that all come up, it slowly became easier. The emotions didn't take me over. Because when they first come up, it feels like a tsunami and you're going to drown. But slowly, 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 with lots of deep breaths, you can get through those huge feelings and they become a lot more manageable. And you can allow a lot more joy into your life because now I can get to know my father and we share lots of fun experiences now that we missed out on for many, many years. And now he can be a grandfather to my son, especially after he lost his grandmother. How wonderful it is to bring that joy into his life because grandparents are so awesome for kids. I have an 80-year-old father 
who just bought a bicycle so he could go bike riding with his eight-year-old grandson. Isn't that awesome? Am I not lucky? Thank you so much for listening. And I hope that this story can help you to look, forgive, and let go of what is controlling you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the She Speaks podcast. If you like this episode, please be sure to send us a five-star rating and review on iTunes to help us reach more listeners. For more information on our publishing services, please visit us at www.gcwpublishing.com.